And in the meantime, another episode of Swing Thoughts, along with the coach, Tim O'Connor, Esquire. I'm uh, Howard Glassman, Humble and Fred Show, brought to you by Adidas Golf Canada and the new Ultimate 365 Polo. Visit adidasgolf.ca, geared for more. The uh, Adidas line of clothing. Tim's wearing it. I'm wearing it. Um, last time I saw you, you look great in your Adidas stuff, if I may say that in a completely platonic way. It doesn't mean I'm like, well, I guess I am kind of sweet on you. I'm, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Thank you. I got no problem with that. You're a handsome man. You're confident in your masculinity. I know that. It's not really, but I still think you're attractive. <laughs> um. <laughs> of course, also, this program brought to you by TaylorMade. Uh, I got the new 790s, Swing Thought Nerds, and I'm going to tell you, I have a, a story of a couple nights ago, Timmy. Have, have you got your irons yet? The irons go too far. <laughs> no. Oh, you got that problem with again, eh? They well, go too darn far. Yeah, the one I... I um, well, I'll tell you what. I got the uh, 790s. I got the high-toe wedge. I wanted to talk about it as well, just to mention that if you... Uh, if you're looking for something different around the, the greens and to help with your short game, and uh, I'm going to be hitting not the M3 driver, but the M4 driver. And again, uh, I think everyone, no matter what your handicap level is, you'll notice a difference. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. It's you know earlier than normal for, for taping this episodic adventure we call Swing Thoughts, but... Uh... I'm good, ready to go. It's been a busy week. I'm heading out tomorrow to uh, Chilliwack, British Columbia, for the Canadian University College Championships with the uh, U of Guelph golf team. So uh, excited about that. Get to hang out with, you know, golf nerds age 19 to 23. It's going to be a good week. The um, Just briefly, if you can explain, the university schedule in Canada, excuse me, is kind of strange because you oh. guys you guys play your national championships now, and then your season's in the fall. So are you, right. just explain, are you playing the national championships that you guys, you guys qualified for last fall? Yes, yes. So it's, it's basically the conclusion of the 2017 season. Um, yeah, it's just just because of the way school works out with with the uh, with the young people being in school from September onwards till April. So we start generally tryouts for most of the teams are are September Labor Day, and and the season is a sprint until about the third week of October, and then we have the uh, the provincial championships around then, and then the season is over um, because. Snowfalls and stuff like that. Yeah, I heard and about then, that. And then, then lovely spring comes and the robins come back and the golf course is open again. And but by now the students are out of school, so they've just figured. Actually, these are relatively new. These championships. I don't have the exact date, but Golf Canada took the bull by the horn, as it were, and organized these things. And so, end of May is when. Uh, we have our national championships across this great land. Um, thank you for explaining the uh, <laughs> the different seasons and, and what happens. I uh, 
Appreciate You're that. Welcome. You're you know what? When I speak to you, I feel ever hopeful. Do the little birds alight on your arms, zippity doo dah, as you go down the lane? No, I just uh, it's a it's a renewed sense of hope that I have for the future. Um, I know yeah, you gave please. I know you gave your talk. Uh, you gave the um, <laughs> Mo Norman talk in St. Thomas uh, this past week. What a uh, wonderful golf tournament uh, and golf uh, place, golf courses. I think the word I was trying to find. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the connection between Mo Norman and the early bird tournament that I just participated in uh, in St. Thomas. Yeah, well, um, in 1949, Mo was 20 years old, and he entered this brand-new tournament held the first year in July 1949 called the St. Thomas Golf uh, Invitational. And... Uh, he shot a 50-67 in that one-day event, and then uh, he won it the next year. And then he won it in its sixth year. Um, but I think it was in 1951, they moved it to May, and it was rechristened the Early Bird Tournament. So, obviously, Mo uh, strong connection to St. Thomas Golf and Country Club, which is just you know, about 20 minutes outside of London. And what... What a gem. Oh, my gosh. That, that is one of the greatest hidden gems. Yeah. Ontario, Canada, St. Thomas, Stanley Thompson course. Holy cow, that place is amazing. You know, it's interesting you say that. It, and first of all, fascinating about Mo being, uh, you know, the first winner of what has become a tradition amongst uh, good players in the province. You know, getting to play in the early bird is a, is a real deal because there's some really, really fine players in it. But um, I say that every year when I've played in it, that if it were an hour closer Toronto, an hour closer to Toronto, everyone would play there because uh, it's it's insane how beautiful the course is, how how well designed it is, and how until four years ago I'd never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely amazing track. I mean, oh, if I lived out there, I'd be a member in a heartbeat. But you're absolutely right. If that was closer to GTA, uh, they'd be charging. You know, well, it would be $50,000 a year. No, I think more. It, it's as good. I'll, I'll say this. It's as, it's in the same conversation as Islington and Toronto. And, you know, I think yeah. it's better than Mississauga. Sorry, Mississauga members. But, I mean, it's a real, real um, amazing golf course. And I'll tell you, having played it in tournament conditions, I've, only, I've never played it in any other condition. And I'll tell you, it is a beast of a golf course. Oh, absolutely. That... The, that you know, uh, with our golf team, the, the golf golf team, and whenever we play a Stanley Thompson course, it's like, what's our strategy? Be below the hole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> below the hole all day. Absolutely. It, it's one of the few. Um, it's one of the few courses I've played, and, and and this happened to me a few times on the weekend where. I give you an example on the ninth hole when the pin is sort of toward the back of the green, and, and Tim's right. You really have to be below the hole to have any chance. Well, I was just, I was short, a little bit short of pin high, but where the pin was, I had no. If I had gone directly at the flag and I miscalculated, it could have spun back off the green. So I basically chipped away from the hole so that I would have an uphill putt. I didn't care how long it was so that I may make bogey because I was no longer I thought if I have a 20 footer here after this chip that'll be great and I'll accept that because if you don't think like that on Stanley Thompson courses sometimes 
You just have to suck it up and 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 make a good bogey. Absolutely. Because you can be there for days. <laughs> you never get home. Oh, my gosh. See, I, I was having, uh, so when I got there Wednesday, I was, uh, had dinner with uh, uh, David Couch, who you saw again, I think, at the early bird. Um my good friend there who also plays out of there and the general manager, uh, Rob Mason. And he was saying that they get, I think it's at least 60 players from zero to two handicap. And it might be as high as 80, but it is one of the premier, you know, one, two, three, uh, you know, top amateur events in Ontario. And a lot, a lot of it is on the strength of the golf course and on the tradition. A hundred percent. I mean, this this is the first year, by the way, that I haven't competed in the championship flight. And what they do is they don't flight it by age. <clears throat> Pardon me. They flight it by handicap. And at the usually by this time of the season, my handicap floats around, you know, in the ones somewhere, one, four, five, six, or seven. But I hadn't played very much. I didn't play at all in the winter. And my handicap when I sent my entry in was 2.1, which I didn't care about. I got to play a little bit it's not there's not a whole lot of difference between the back and the front but there's some psychological difference and I loved it man I was on a couple of the keyholes I was like 20 yards ahead of where I was last year and I'm like I don't mind this at all <laughs> my buddies are bugging me oh you're playing the whatever tease on it I don't care I'm nearly 60 years old that's right <laughs> so did you play with some kids oh Timmy <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim. I played with, you know, we always come back from these uh, tournaments with stories of how far these kids hit it. But I'm going to tell you a story about, I saw a person, golfer person, hit a ball further offline than I've ever seen anyone do it in my life. This kid hit it so hard, Tim. Um, he had such club head speed that when he did miss it, it was ridiculous. Now, I'm, I'm going to describe the 18th hole at St. Thomas is a very difficult par for. I parted on Sunday for the first time in four years. I, um, But it, it's it's a very difficult, and, it, it, and right next to it on the, let's say if you're facing the hole from the tee, on the right-hand side is the first hole, and then beyond that is the ninth tee. <laughs> this kid on 18, yeah. oh. he hit it two fairways over. He hit it 300 yards, but in in a direction I didn't even know was possible. In in fact, the reason I didn't go help him find his ball his ball is I didn't think my cart would make it over there. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, it was worse. Was it worse than Rory McIlroy at the Masters <laughs> off the first hole? You know what it was? It was like Jordan Spieth. If Jordan Spieth was on oh, the yeah. right hand side of that of that uh, practice ground. It was so far. I'd never seen anything like it. And then the odd time that he did, he didn't play very well, but he was really very, very long and very fast through the ball. And the odd time he did hit the center of the club, it was uh, it was bizarre. But uh, how was yeah. his demeanor? Um, not good. <laughs> not not <laughs> not good. You no one wants to be no one wants to be beaten by somebody the same age as your grandpa. No one yeah, likes exactly. that. Hey, I remember in 1980, they didn't have these uh, metal ones, you know. <laughs> That's right. I used to hit it with uh, something made from trees. I used a rake. Um, in a couple minutes' time, we're going to get uh, one of our Swing Thought, uh, well, our seminar alumnus. Uh, we did our Swing Thought workshop with uh, Tom Leonowitz, and uh, he's a friend of mine, and he's been 
you know, going get you know getting into uh, you know some uh, tournament golf, and uh, I'm just gonna hear him. Just, I'm just texting with him now. Here, um, I'm gonna get him to call us because he had his first two qualifiers this week. Uh, one was for the, the uh, AM, and one was for the Mid AM. And I spoke to him after the AM qualifier, which I thought he did very nicely. But I haven't spoken to him since yesterday. He tried to qualify for the Mid AM. And uh, I know he's a bit down, so I thought, hey, why not call uh, Coach Tim and I, and uh, maybe we can talk uh, through it, as, and maybe it'll be a good experience to share with others. Yeah, how, how come I'm suddenly uh, reminded of, hello, I'm Fraser Crane. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about this? Why don't, we, why don't I tell you a real quick story about um, what I learned Returning to uh, tournament golf. Now, I played some early tournament golf, the better ball, but it's it's not the same when you've got Charlie Fitzsimmons as your partner because I basically just showed up and made sure the cart had electricity. Uh, but I played in the early bird, as I have every year, and then, you know, I've had some mixed results there, and it's a very, very difficult golf course. In the first round, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, Charlie finished second, right? Charlie finished second, but uh, he was leading after the first round. He shot 71, but I... Uh, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how I... Say again? Do tell your story. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, I hung, actually hung with Charlie a little bit Saturday night, and, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that just shows up most days and, and shoots his number. He's very talented. You know, his golf swing is very good, but his golf brain is what keeps him in it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm going to tell you a quick story, and uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you about a phrase I learned Um and then we can call have Tom call us. So the first day at the mid am, or first day at the uh, early bird, I played really well. I don't know what was going on. I had the best warm up I've had before a golf tournament in years, and I hit my first drive in the first hole better than I have. And, and I've talked about this on Swing Thoughts, where at the senior am, I I chunked a three iron 120 yards. I've club championship. I almost hit it, you know, out of bounds. But for some reason, I just felt calm, and I was I had a good warm up. And I killed it off the first tee. I hit the first six greens in a row in regulation. Six fairways, six greens, had a couple birdies, had a couple bogeys, had a nice front nine, a couple over par. Everything's cool. Go around the back nine, which is very difficult. After you get through the first three or four holes, it gets very difficult. 15, 16, and 18 are three of the four toughest, three, three of the toughest holes in the golf course. And they end the round there, which is one of the things about St. Thomas is you're going along nicely, and then all of a sudden you hit, you know, some wall of very difficult holes. And when I got to that point on Saturday, I was four over par on the 15th tee. And I finished triple. (laughs) I finished triple, triple, par, triple. Oh, my God. That's three over par, three over par, par, triple par, triple bogey. Now, I tried... My hardest on the triple first triple bogey. I tried a good amount on the second triple bogey, but on the third triple bogey, I'll I'll be the first to admit that I spit the dummy, which is a phrase I learned this week. It's Australian for being a baby, because in Australia, the soother they put in babies' mouths yeah. is called a dummy, apparently. And I definitely spit the dummy. I got a little bit of a lip on. And I had a little bit of the, oh, come on, golf. I was playing so well in my, and I'll tell you, I can tell you exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, 
you know, doing well, four over par, just made a par on the 14th hole. I'm like, cool. And then it just all went awry. I four putted the 15th green from 90 feet, and I tried on every putt. It was, it's one of those golf courses, and we've explained already, but if you're on the wrong side of the hole, and by the way, I saw Ronan there, and he'll, he'll back me up. But you're on the wrong side of the hole, even if it's only seven or eight feet, you can, you can three-putt that. So, oh, yeah. In my brain, I thought, well, this is what a drag. I was going to shoot 76, and now I'm going to shoot not 76. And then I tripled. And that's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. And when I got to 18, I basically, and I hit a bad drive, a bad second shot. I tried to chip up. It came back to my feet, and I just hit it on the green and three-putted for seven. So, but I, but here's the weird thing. Other than that momentary lapse of being a grown-up, I went, I left the golf course feeling pretty good about my game because I, I was dwelling on the fact that I did play 14 nice holes and, you know, I got a little bit tired at the end and I got a little bit of lack of focus and I got a, you know, a bit of a suck on. Now, here's what I love about golf. This, and you'll love this. The next day, same thing. I start off hitting the ball Oh, first of all, I have the worst warm-up I've ever had. But for some reason, I don't care. And I hit a great drive off the first tee, and I'm on my way. I get to the 15th tee, and wouldn't you know it, <laughs> I'm four over par again for the round. And I sort of smiled to... all over again. I did. I smiled to myself, and I went, okay, golf. I get it. <laughs> I get it, golf. You're like, all right, Howard, I'm going to put you in the exact same spot. I mean, what, Tim, what are the chances? I could have been three over. I could have been six over. Who knows? But golf put me on that tee the next day in the exact same spot I was the day before. And I made a really nice par in that hole, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, ah. You know, I sort of cleansed the, the palate. 16, very difficult hole. Great drive. I got... I hit a great drive for me, and I still had 185 to the green. So I'm in the middle of the 16th fairway, four over par for the round. And then I snap hook it into hideous haggis that I cannot find my ball. Have to replay the shot, get on, make a nice putt, almost make a bogey. It's, it hard lips down the slope. I miss the seven-footer coming back, triple bogey. So now I've played the 16th hole in two, two days in a row, six over par. But instead of spitting the dummy in true swing thoughts fashion, I birdie the 17th and I par 18 for the first time and I shoot 78. Now, the moral of the story is the day before I had forgotten the lessons of this show and I let the first triple and the fact that I was going along with this mindset of whatever I thought was going to happen. But I wasn't prepared when something went went away from that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But the next day, what I got, the lesson I got was you can make a triple bogey and then you can make a birdie. I had forgotten that lesson because the day before I made a triple bogey and then I followed that up with two more triple bogeys, <laughs> which really can really F your card because I went from thinking I was going to shoot 76 to shooting 85. And when my friend said, how did you play? I go, I shot 85, but I played great. <laughs> you know, it's hard yeah. But I did. I played very nicely, with the exception of about 45 minutes. Oh, boy. The devil's game. Isn't it? The, the infernal game. The game in which your past behaviors come back to haunt one. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if we've said it recently, but I think, I think we've made the point you have to be ever vigilant. You yeah. need to be ever vigilant that that three putt can just change your day. 
or that mistake you made, you know? The difference on the second day, though, was I had been reminded of that lesson. And when that, when that little mistake happened, I still felt fine. Here's the, the moral, the takeaway for me, and I don't know if this matters to anyone else, is as long as you're still trying, anything can happen. Because when I went to the 17th tee after the triple bogey on Sunday, when the exact same thing, I got one more hole deep in the round and then I made a triple. The difference was I was thinking, hey, I bet I can birdie this hole. And that's the swing I made on the tee. Now, I didn't, it wasn't a great swing, but it put me about 30 feet from the flag and then I made a beautiful putt. But the fact is I was still in it. Whereas the day before I stopped being in it just long enough to make two more triples. Yeah, well, I uh, so, so thank you for that evocative, compelling, <laughs> passionate story. Long-winded bullshit. No, no, no. I, I, I was, I was hitched onto it and 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 latched on every word. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff out of that. But I, I know you mentioned that you know by the end of that first round and two triples, like you're tired and I mean stuff happens you know and that's why rest recovery is so important but the key piece is there is where i come to is always like how do we respond how do we respond do you, do you have your big boy pants on as you like to say or yep. when we're in a place of tiredness that's sometimes where we can just like react it's like as you say i love that oh come on golf yeah exactly <laughs> like, come like on golf brother. It's like your big brother who's torturing you with, like, he's put to pour Tabasco sauce. That's right. I was like, I, I, was, I was doing so well, and now this? <laughs> I know. You know this is like, that, that's really what it comes down to. It's like now we're, like, acknowledging that we're pleading with golf. Well, don't torture me anymore, please. You know, I think you've said this. I've said it. I, somebody said it. But, you know, we're not our thoughts. Our thoughts are just thoughts. It's not who we are. And sometimes when we're fatigued, it was the end of the round. You know, I'd gotten up early. I'd driven to London that day. And like I said, I had a great warm-up. And I was feeling pretty good about my game. And, you know, but for a couple of Stanley Thompson three-putts on the front nine, I shoot even par, which is, you know, I'm in a tournament. And that's good playing for me in a tournament. And, And then all of a sudden that happened. And rather than react to it like, oh, well cool get up on the next tee snap hook it triple get up and make a par in the little par three then i snap hook another one on the last hole and i'm seeing my friends there and i basically am you know spitting the dummy being mm-hmm. a big baby and then i was kind of thinking about it later i'm like oh yeah i forgot that lesson that you know that the grinding out you know i would have rather made double on the last hole than than triple because 84 is better than 85 and when i was yeah, yeah. and i'll tell you what as a, as a lower handicap player you know what i was thinking I don't want to shoot 84, but I did. But I'd rather shoot 84 than 85. That's the lesson. Because 85, you know, it was a bit of a shitty number for me. But it was it. And the problem was, it wasn't the best I could do. If I had tried my best and shot 85, then it would be. It's a different feeling in your heart, if I may use that. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because when I when I made the triple on when I made the triple the second day, I had tried my best on every shot. I pull hooked it into the garbage and I put another ball down and then I ripped a four iron into the middle of that green and I was like, Okay, we're still in this. I had a putt for bogey, I tried to make it as opposed to and okay, if you good then you're not. You know what I mean? The irony is I tried to make it, it almost went in and that made me, you know, spin it out down the slope and you know, I tried on the putt for double bogey, 
So when I made yeah. seven, I got to the next. I, that, I left that green thinking I didn't lose anything because I tried on every shot. And we all know that feeling in our hearts when you don't try on every shot. That's when you spit the dummy. And that's when you get in your car. And you just <laughs> the keys before you turn the keys on. You just tilt the mirror towards yourself, and you just look yourself in the eye in the mirror and go, "Oh, you big baby!" <laughs> <laughs> well, before I did that, I went to the range and I rage hit balls for twenty minutes. Not rage because hit. I, I rage hit. I went for a rage session, and 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 because I was mad at myself for doing that, and then I was fine. Wait, <laughs> I gotta know what a rage hit is. Is that where you like? Uh, just like kind of like whack, 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 whack without you really taking a back swing <laughs> forward. You know, pretty much. You know, here's what I think. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this uh, little tip from uh, the Houster here uh, about because what happened to me was as I became more childish, the my swing slowed down again. And I hate that feeling. Yeah. I would rather miss it. Like, I would rather rifle it into the trees, but I, but knowing that I really took a good swing at it, than to steer it into the trees, knowing that I basically tried not to do something wrong. And I hate that feeling. Yeah, yeah, the careful tentativeness, the, the tentative prod, as uh, yes. one dearly departed uh, announcer used to say. The tentative prod is a great phrase for what happens to us under pressure. We become yeah. tentative, and we just hope something good happens. I have one piece of wisdom I'd like to lay on. Please do, and then we'll get. I'm going to have Tom call us. Great. Okay, I heard this thing on a on one of the many uh, different podcasts that I listen to, other than this one, of course. And someone's talking about the difference of of do I have a mind or am I my mind, and. I know that's a little bit difficult to absorb all in one go, but it's like when someone says, "I am angry." Really, you are angry. You're you you are as 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 a entity of your soul, your heart, your whole. You are angry, or my mind is angry. And say the first uh, say the whole thing again. I want to write this down. Am I what? Am I my mind, or am I, do I mind you? Do. Do I mind you? <laughs> okay, one thing to ask people is it, it's kind of almost like a Zen cone. Are you your mind or do you have a mind? Love it. So, so if I'm my mind and I, and I have an emotion and, and anger and I call myself and I say, I am angry, you're defining yourself as being this angry, you know, bolt of energy that could be all over the place. But if you look at it that my mind is angry right now, then you can have some detachment mm -hmm. from it. And that's really that's where you put yourself in a space where you can respond. Be you have a choice who you want to be in that moment versus react reactive because I am angry mm -hmm. as opposed to my mind is angry. So that's just um Well I love that. And again, it's like, are we our thoughts or are yeah. thoughts just thoughts? You know, it's like, well, I do love the irony of golf, though. I love the fact that it put me in that same spot and said, okay, now, now how are you going to respond? And I'll tell you, that was one of my favorite pars I made on the second day. 
<clears throat> on the oh, yeah. there there hold on a second. There's Tommy now. Hey Tommy, sorry about that, pal. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're great. Just just hang on one second. That's my buddy uh, Tom uh, Leonowitz. What I was going to say, Tim, is I love the fact that golf gives you those moments to see how you'll react. And believe me, I was smiling on the 15th tee in the second day when I'm like, all right, here I am. Now is your chance to, to re, uh, let's see how you respond today. And I gave myself that challenge. I was going to make very, you know, good, positive motion. And when I made the par in that hole and had a chance to birdie it, I thought, okay, that's cool. And then I kind of thought, well, that was the day. And I, I really wasn't hoping, I was really hoping not to make any more triple bogeys. Anyway. But it, it really is true that golf is the devil's game. I mean, how many people have had, let's say, you have a day where you're like struggling with four footers all day. And it's just like. I mean, so <laughs> That's let's say, right. Let's say, so let's say they're, they're, they come to it's the first chance maybe to break 80 in their life. They get to the 18th hole. They got a four. They got a putt for par. It's four feet. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, Tom Leonowitz is a uh, very fine player. He was part of our uh, New Golf Nerds Warrior Workshop, and uh, he's a buddy of mine. And uh, he's uh, a solid uh, ball striker. Tom is, uh, how old are you, 30? 31. And Tom just kind of returned to golf, you know, last little while, like a lot of kids in their 20s, you know, working on his career. And uh, started playing some tournaments this year and entered uh, the Ontario Amateur and the Ontario Mid-Am and I think a few other things. On uh, Tuesday, Tom had his Am qualifier, and uh, we had a chance to talk. I thought, you know, just quickly tell us about that, because I haven't talked to you since uh, yesterday, and I know that I could tell by your text that <laughs> Tom Tom was not in a good place, but I was, uh, I was watching Deadpool, which, by the way, is super funny. I heard yeah, that. Yeah. Yesterday was pretty bad. Well, we'll talk about yesterday in a second. <laughs> but first, Tom, Tom, why don't you tell uh, Coach Tim and the rest of the people on Swing Thoughts a little bit about your experience in the AM qualifier on Tuesday. Morning, Timio. Um, hey, how are you, man? Oh, not bad. How's everything? Uh, I'm no, good. Tuesday I'm was, yeah, Tommy, uh, Tim, because you guys are both on the phone, just just uh, be aware, Tom. When Tim, you know, you know, just wait for each other. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, no Tuesday, uh, am qualifier at Rebel Creek uh, down the street from me here. Um, it was a lot of fun, actually. Uh, no expectations going into it. Uh, had a rough number that I thought I would have to shoot to go into it, but um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun actually getting out there for the first time. Uh, I was cracking jokes because I was playing with two 15-year-olds. Um, one guy had his mom there with him, so I thought that was kind of cute. Um, so it was a very light mood throughout the day, but uh, ended up with an 82, so I missed it by about six, I believe. Um, but overall, it was a fun kind of day. Uh, mentally, it was pretty good. Um Realistically, no big mistakes or anything like that. It was just more so of not being able to score well, uh, which was kind of the issue. Well, and that was, but I when I talked to Tom, Tim, I thought eighty-two. You know, in competition. In fact, the first thing I said to Tom was, uh, "Was the first number an eight or a nine? Because you know, I've played in a lot of these things where there's. 
people shooting in the 90s, and it's not uncommon. I mean, I you know, played in the mid-am a couple summers ago. My first round was 92. I know it happens. So when Tom said 82, Tim, I thought, you know, that's, that's a really nice score. It, I know it's not what you wanted, but it's a decent score. It shows that you had some control, that you had some of your good stuff. Uh, what do you think, Timmy? Oh, I, 82. That's great. Well done, young man. Exactly. Yeah, wow. That is awesome. Um, what I really liked there, where you talked about how you just had a, a light approach to the day and no expectations. Wow. That, 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 if, there's, if there's a magic formula for going into qualifiers when you're a relative novice, that would be it. So that was on uh, Tuesday, and you seemed, I thought you seemed pretty pleased with yourself. And now yesterday, I was, uh, I, I knew Tommy was uh, qualifying. I sent him a note in the morning. And then I heard back in the afternoon saying, uh, he said something like, uh, I'll be watching baby animals playing with each other all night because nothing else makes sense. <laughs> and, and I looked at that, and I'm like, I know the feeling, brother. I'll just be watching animals play with each other because golf no longer loves me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 was pretty much it. See, so not for any excuse here, but after Rebel, I was I was exhausted. Um, body was a little sore and all that. So I was supposed to play. I played at Kings Forest yesterday for the qualifier, and I was supposed to play Wednesday at Kings Forest in the practice round, but I. I checked out of that. Uh, just body was sore. I was sore. I was mentally exhausted. Uh, so I showed up there again, same kind of attitude, you know, no expectations, a um, little bit of a lighter expectation. Like I thought Rebel, I, I set the number at 76 kind of for myself. I thought Kings Force, I didn't really set a number, but I thought, okay, you know, go in there, play same kind of game plan as you had at, at Rebel Creek. I kind of did an overview of the course, same kind of game plan, leave yourself full shots, don't try to get too fancy. And, and kind of let the course and everything else be in front of you. That went to hell on the first hole very quickly. Um, and basically everything that could go wrong went wrong in a round. Um, so I started out with seven straight bogeys, um, basically missed four inside of four feet in the first seven holes. Um so anything that could go, I finally made our first par on eight, and I said, okay, let's just keep grinding it out, keep grinding it out. You've made a couple of birdies before. You've had rounds where the first nine has been forgettable and the back nine has been, you know, decent, and you've, and you've posted a good score. Let's just grind it out that way. Nine made a bogey, and I kept saying, just grind out. Just keep grinding out a score. And then I officially lost my mind on the 14th. <laughs> There's always a point where you're like, all right, grind this golf. Exactly. Yeah. I I hit two OB on fourteen. Yeah, uh, and then tomahawked my wedge uh, into my bag. Naturally, um, and that that is officially when everything just just completely. I, that, I made bogeys. I, basically, if I, I didn't make a par, I made bogeys all the way up until that point, and that I made a nine. Yeah, on fourteen. Well, I'm proud of you, man, because, uh, first of all, not everyone, likes you know, can put themselves in harm's way. And, and you're right, you know, when you said you're tired, people can't, I don't think people who don't play tournament golf can, can imagine, you know, I, I was exhausted after the weekend, grinding on the, 
you know, at uh, uh, St. Thomas for 36 holes. It's tough, man. You're grinding on every shot, every shot you're, you know, giving your best. And then it, it takes a toll. And I can see a couple days later you might have been a little bit, because, again, you're not, when you're not used to it, it takes a lot out of you. Do you yeah. want to tell us the number? Or does, what was the number that qualified? The num- I didn't even check the number. Of the qual- I got in my car and drove as fast as I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like the playing guys were good. One guy said, "Let's let's grab a beer," and I said, "Don't worry, I'll be drinking by myself tonight." That's right. Um, Don't worry, Tommy. Tommy will be drinking and writing poetry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know the number that got in. I think the number that got in was closer to 80 or around 80. Um, No, the only reason I ask that is because sometimes, you know, when I've had a big number at a qualifier or or an event and I think, okay, what did I, what what could I have done or what would it have taken? Um, I know what Tim, I I think I have an idea what Tim is going to say about what you've said. So I'm going to let Tim go first. First off, uh, welcome to tournament golf, Tom. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So I want to ask you is like, what was the difference for you between like just teeing it up maybe in a you know with a regular foursome, if you will, or or maybe in you know your club C at Whistle Bear, and then qualifying for for the mid am. What was the difference? Uh, well, what I was trying to do before the, the qualifiers was on the tee sheet at Whistle Bear, I was trying to scope out players that were better than me. Um, so I was trying to scope out guys on the tee sheet that had, let's say, a one or a two handicap and trying to go up against them and play with them. Because normally in the normal foursome, I'm playing with guys who are 10s and 12s and 15s. Right. And so going into the minim, I had a couple of days, like two or three days of playing with guys who... Um, like for example, uh, two days before I had, a, I was playing with a guy who was a zero, but he wasn't all that competitive, but we were going shot for shot and we were playing pretty well against each other. So like the heat of the competition was right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it wasn't a real competition, it was, it, it was right there. So I tried to transform that into the amateur, but the normal foursome, there's not that much competition in there. Um, but what did you feel? You must have felt something different because, and, and we talked about this. Tom and I played last Friday together, sort of prior to the tournament weekend that I played, and, and you know we sort of talked about that. It's there. It, it you just have to be prepared. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't doesn't matter even if you're playing for money. Because I played at a golf course where I teed it up for 16 years, never for nothing, with a bunch of guys that would go into a tournament and not do well because every shot counts. It's just not match play, right? Yeah, exactly, and that, that was the thing. So my normal – and that's what we were talking about on, on Friday, that all of a sudden – you even said don't be worried that, like, these guys can, you know, have perfect swings or bomb it or anything like that. So when he said that, that's when I started trying to figure out who I could play with on my course before the rounds. Because I played with some guys who – you know, we'll make a 10, but then count it as an 8 or something like that. So I wanted to to play with guys that... That were counting every shot. That were counting every shot. Like, you know, that we're even in some kind of competition mode. Like, I even offered a competition to the guy with a zero. We had, like, a friendly wager and all that kind of stuff. So, But back to Tim's question, what felt different on Thursday that you felt different than Tuesday when you were sort of a bit more in control of your actual game? I saw the... I teed off last on one... Um, and I saw the first two guys swing, and it felt like I was playing with 10s and 12s. Um, 
and it's not that nothing take away from them. They actually, they were good players. It's it was like I was back at playing with my you know random group of friends who kind of slap the ball around and, and get away with some stuff, and then you know post a number somehow. Uh, whereas the Rebel Creek one, you can tell right off the bat, like the, we were all on the range at the same time. You can tell right off the bat, like these kids came to play. Like they're both 15 years old. One kid had, I think, just came second in the U19s or something like that. So, like, these kids came to play. So your uh, your assessment was the guys you were playing with on Thursday weren't as good, and so you could just make seven bogeys in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I heard, Tim. What I heard is – was that, just let me just interject for a second. What I heard, Tim, and I thought Tim was going to point out, was when you set a number, you are yeah. basically living in a world of expectations. Right, Coach? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When yeah, when you set a number, um, you're now basically living in the future, and with every hole, you're either living and dying with how you're going to reach this number or not, and it puts you just on an emotional roller coaster. And so it's just part of what tournament golf is to be able to just just play and in essence see what happens. The way I like to put it is you play – Try and, when I'm playing in a tournament, I say to myself, I'm going to play 18 different games today. And the first game is the hole I'm starting on, and then when that game's over, I go to the next game. Because I had a qualifier on Tuesday for the mid-am, and I uh, – up at Barry, very difficult golf course, tough day, rainy, shitty. We were all – we were off one of the first three or four groups – and uh, they introduce. I just finished playing great in St. Thomas, feeling great about myself. I get up. They introduce me, and having played a ton of tournament golf, I pull hook my. I, but I killed it, by the way. I pull hook my drive so far into the trees. They will. For, if I went in there, they wouldn't have found me. But but I was lucky that it was a hazard, so I got to drop and I settled down and I made a bogey. And I thought, okay, well that's over. And then I made. Three holes later, I whiffed a shot. I was trying to. I was just off the fairway in the in some trees, but I was trying to chip back to the fairway, and I full on whiffed it. Nice whiffed, and then I had to get it out. It's a tough hole, par five. I double. I made a beautiful double bogey. I had like a fifty-five foot two putt for double bogey. So I'm three over par on the day after five holes, but I kept thinking, okay, I've just got this next hole to play. And before you know it, I'm standing on the 18th tee, four over for the day, and I know I just need to make a par or bogey, and I'm good. But it's it's that idea that I, I'm not thinking about what the number is, and I didn't care if I bogeyed the first hole or the next hole, because I just know that given time to settle down, everything will find its, you know, will find its level. Yeah. So there's, all, there's different ways to approach it. Some golfers play by what they call sixes. So you play by, you know, in increments of three, three holes. So I was like, you know, even for th- for these three, or I was two over for three. Uh, some, like you mentioned, you know, hole by hole. By hole. Um, I like, well, Mo Norman, you say he plays shot by shot by shot. Mm-hmm. That's it. You just, whatever it is, and it's like the shot goes, and once it leaves the club face, let it go. Now that's in an ideal world, for sure. I mean, that's just, <laughs> Zen, Zen master quality. It has left the club face. I have no control. But the other piece I want to just ask Tom, and if you can think back, is what was the difference in 
your body? Like, what kind of energy did you have, you know, Tuesday versus Thursday in your body? Because that's often the uh, a real difference when people find themselves in new situations. Uh, you know, when the guy who's won the John Deere Classic is suddenly, you know, in contention at the Masters on Sunday, his body feels different. So how say you? Thursday was lack of energy, whereas Tuesday was, I don't want to say hyped up, but kind of in game mode, like ready to go. Cool. Um, yeah, th- Thursday was kind of energy depleted. Well, I promise you at some point in that first seven holes, you were, you might have made, because it's fine, you make a bogey, you make another bogey, and then you start thinking things like, am I ever going to make a par? Uh, now yeah. I've made four in a row. Yeah, I'm gonna. You can say you're gonna grind it out, but there's the the thing is where we become more and more aware, especially into bogey five, six, and seven. You know, you become aware of it. it you know, it becomes harder to gain energy from that unless you're really into it. I mean, it's tough. I've done that in tournaments. Uh, first round of the club championship last year, I was seven over after seven, and I was like, wow, <laughs> this this seems to be going sideways or whatever. I said uh the fact is uh, you should be proud of yourself as i said because you know not everyone wants to put themselves out there in golf and it's a tough thing to do and it, and i i think i was honest with you i i thought that you had a chance but i i knew in my mind that you need to get used to it first there's a reason oh, yeah 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 and and that was do you if, if golf could ever kick you in the sack or punch you in the face that was definitely it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it was tough like on on five and six and we were walking off five five or six walking off the green saying yeah are you going to make a (laughs) exactly (laughs) Exactly. um listen listen tommy we gotta tim and i gotta wrap up the show in a few minutes but i I did want to say thanks for sharing that and i'll give you a shout we'll have a coffee after on the phone and all that we can uh, debrief some more all right thanks boys but you did well my friend good job and, yeah, good for you, Tom, and uh, good luck on your journey, young man. Will do, Timmy. Go. All right, guy. Take Cheers. care. Um, hey, coach. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, though? I, 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 as soon as he said, you know, I said a number. I thought the number would be. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I've been in that situation, and, and I've. You know, I've shot what he sh- and I've had nines in tournaments. I've missed one foot putts. I've gone to tap it in and missed the hole. I, all that stuff that happens only in tournaments, and it's. Mm-hmm. I, I I love what you said about the journey. It really is. You know, I got up on that first hole Tuesday, and the two kids I played with just roasted it down the middle. They both had mid irons to a par five green. They both made birdie, and I sort of, you know, made a nice bogey. But I I was like. I sort of said to my, I know it's a weird thing, but I kind of said to myself, after they both made four, I was like, it's a long day, boys. It's a long day. And I just knew that my attitude of, well, let's just see what happens. And I I made a really nice up and down on the second hole. I hit a bunker shot to a foot, and I went, okay, well, now here we go. And even though I double bogeyed that one where I full-on whiffed, whiffed, <laughs> like my buddy said. Yeah. He said, you actually shot, you only hit the ball 76 times. <laughs> he said, your score was 77, but you only hit it 76. Like, I yeah. full-on whiffed, and I, I, was still, I was still hopeful and in it. Like, I thought, wow, man, I got a 55-foot putt. Let's just get this up and down and, and move on. But it's hard. It takes a while. 
It, and that's why they always talk about tournament golf being different. It just takes a while to get used to the heat. And I'm sure that's what you find with your your kids that, you know, you coach at uh, Guelph. It's what you find, I'm sure, with your everyday players. It just takes a while. Oh, yeah, man. And it's it's the ultimate game of playing within yourself. And, you know, it was interesting. If we had more time, I would have liked to explore with Tom, like, like how he was looking at the other players. Yeah. Saying, like, what's their swing like and all this. And and that's pretty natural. I mean, in any, we're all social animals, and so we, as humans, we're kind of always on the lookout. Okay, am I in any danger here? You know, it always. So we're doing this judging and comparing. Yeah. And but ultimately, that doesn't serve us at all because it just leads to more thinking and more judging and comparing and self-referential thought. And I actually re-listened to our Judson Brewer chat. Um, that we did, oh boy, a long time ago. He's the, he's the psychiatrist who uh, wrote The Craving Mind. He says, as soon as we get into that referential thinking thing, that's when we just get on this cycle of, you know, up and down and seeing how we go. And, and that's why I just came back to this piece around staying within ourselves and just being in control and just just take care of us. And that's all we can do. That's all you can do. And you know, one of the best pieces of advice is one of the best pieces of advices I ever got was from my friend Paul Henrik, who is a former tour player. He's a guy who works with me a little, I guess, on a lot of aspects of my game, but a lot of tournament golf experience from him. And he said to me, "I don't, I don't want you to watch anybody swing anymore." Oh, and I yeah, said, absolutely. "I said, why, Coach? Don't, aren't I supposed to?" He said, "You, you can just you'll." Make sure you know where it goes because, you know, you're trying to be a good partner, he said, but I don't want you to watch anybody's golf swing at all. And so I don't. Yeah. I, t- I told this to him, I said, because I don't want, because of what you just said, I don't want to start comparing mine to them. Why do they, what's their hip turn? None of that. I don't want to have any of that imprinted on me. Um, I just want to take care of my own little business. And it's funny, again, I played with two kids on Tuesday, you know, and this classic, <laughs> the guy, his dad shows up. I'm like, every time I play in a mid-am event, if someone's dad, the dad, the dad shows up. I see he shows up on nine. I make bogey, but on ten, I make a long one for birdie. And I look over, and he gives me the thumbs up because we're the same age. Exactly. But I beat both of those kids at birdied the first hole. I okay. I ended up shooting a lower number because uh, even though I'm a hundred, I have a little bit more experience, and I knew that that I knew that to sh- to qualify, I just needed to shoot something. Something I didn't even have a number to be honest with you, but I just know. Pardon me. Exactly, you don't need the number. I don't need the number, but I have a sense of what numbers are like. But once I'm playing, I don't care. I just knew. I'll I'll tell you what I did. I'm going to talk about big boy. On the last hole, I was in front of the green. They've changed the nines there, but it's this really crazy green that comes up in the middle, about 15 feet. And I I was at the front, and I thought. You know, if I try and hammer this, I could hammer it over the... I really... I just thought, I don't really need to two-putt this. I'm four over par, as long as I don't eight-putt it. So I made a, I made a conscious effort to... I was going to accept the three-putt. Because I thought if I get too aggressive, who knows, I might come over and come back and go... I just wasn't going to do any of that. And I basically played a very conservative shot. I got within 15 feet. And I putted it, and I missed it, and I made a bogey, and I shot 77. But I, I was in because I was thinking I don't need to sh- I don't need to show anybody I can pull this shot off. I just need to be somewhere around the hole, and that's what yeah. I did. The wise Yoda like man that you are, you uh, kid. Not really. You 
Anyway, I've, so that was the, my little other reveal. I've qualified for the Mid-Am again. Great. For reasons that I, are hard to... Two weeks ago, I was going to quit and punch myself in the face, as always. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be... Pl- I'm really happy, too, because I, I love the golf course they're playing the Mid-Am on. It's in Burlington. It's a home game. I don't have to go anywhere. I can just you know get up in my house every day and go play it. And uh, I, I love the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Do you have any final thoughts? I know you've got uh, clients and all kinds of stuff to get to. Anything you want to uh, finish with? Of course, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, TaylorMade and uh, uh, Adidas. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I'm spent. All the wisdom I have to share has already been dispensed okay. today, anyways. <laughs> so well, I'm just really looking forward to uh, playing with the... With the um, with the kids that we're leave tomorrow we're get we're gonna play Richmond Golf Club, which is a really nice course uh in and around Vancouver. Then we play Pagoda Ridge and then uh our practice round is on Monday and uh off we go Tuesday into the Wild Blue Yonder. So uh we finished ninth last year. I was really proud of the guys and I think with our team we could do, even do better this year. So Well I know your team's got the uh, a great coach and uh, I wish you guys well. Thanks. And um, if anyone wants to get a hold of Tim O'Connor, how do they do that, sir? Uh, just go to my website, O'ConnorGolf.ca, and use that contact thing. And yeah, that'd be fun to connect with folks who are looking for something in life. <laughs> something. <laughs> if you need something, uh, brought to you by Adidas something Golf Canada. <laughs> And the new Ultimate 365 Polo. Visit adidasgolf.ca. That's adidasgolf.ca. And Taylor May, the number one driver in golf for a reason. Hey, if Tiger's using it, shouldn't you be? Uh, we'll see you next time, kids. Thanks, Timmy. Bye. A band is blowing Dixie. Double ball time. You feel all right when you hear the music,